What's up, fellow producers? What's up, guys? Welcome to the Ford Producer Podcast. This episode, we're going to talk about analog verse. Digital. With our special guest. Jed Seneca. Boom, there's Jed. What up, Jed? Good morning, everybody. That's doing, right. Bro? Jed is a good friend of mine that I've known since 1996. 93, Raymond. That's is that what I met you? 93. We're going to Belfast. Man, good together. God. Uh, Kinda <laughs> let him know, Jed. Show my age there a little bit. <laughs> but uh, Jed is a 40-year veteran, guys, of the music business. He's been an engineer, producer, he and his wife have a fantastic duo singing group. Mm. They were signed with Provident Music Group. So right. Jed has been in this game for a long time. And what I really appreciate, Jed, is that he's been in it so long, but he still loves it. He's still pursuing excellence in what he does in his craft. He's still learning. He's still going to that 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 next level every yeah. single day. Oh, yeah. And that's what I really appreciate about Jed. Yeah, Jed. Thanks for being on, sir. Yeah. We appreciate it. Me. No problem. We were just laughing a little bit before jumping on here on TikTok and talking about how he birthed the Beatles and the music journey and all this stuff. Yeah. That's right. He doesn't go that deep, but he is. He's the goat. He's the goat. He's he's got over five hundred recording sessions under his belt. Mm -hmm. It's probably more than that. Like if you if you count all the little stuff that yeah. he's done, but yeah. yeah. This yeah, I think gonna we're going to learn something today, y'all. This is going to be good. <laughs> Come with your, your thinking hats on and a pen and paper if you do that. Or exactly. Or no, no app on your phone and take some notes. It's going to be good. I think yep. we're all going to get a lot about it out of this thing. And we want to, without further ado, we want to make sure y'all are aware, fordproducer.com slash ISP, right there. Uh-huh. You get your free course, Industry Standard Productions. Yep, seven ways to level up your productions. It's yep. really helping a lot of people already, yep, so go feedback. get it. It's absolutely free. Absolutely free. <clears throat> Check it out right there. Let us know what y'all think about it. I think it'll help y'all. So we're going to we're gonna fire hose, Jed, really quick. Let's do it. We're going to do a segment <laughs> called Overrated versus Underrated. That's okay. right. Okay. That's an interesting title. <laughs> Overrated versus underrated. I know I'm going to get in trouble here. <laughs> that, hey, we'll, we'll bleep out any hey, you're the goat. Nobody. We'll see what. Oh, you know, there's going to be people online that are going to say, well, it's controversy, is what yeah. it is. Yeah. But from a professional, it's not controversy, it's facts. Right. Well, from my perspective, yeah. Right. Yeah. So the first one we want to talk about is it overrated versus underrated? A Neumann U87. Overrated because it's too overpriced. <laughs> You're paying for uh, you know the name. It's a great mic. I've used them many times, but I can give you a three hundred dollar mic mm. that we tested and we a beat in the studio with all of the gear. Yeah, uh, Emerald Studios in Nashville, Tennessee. Uh, the gentleman that actually did the test is no longer with us. He he died, but Audio Technica contacted him and said. We want. We know you have all these vintage Norman mics. Mm. We want to bring in all of our Audio Technica mics. An Audio Technica mic, yeah. dude. And we want you to. And they had all the test gear. Yeah. Did you say it was three hundred dollar mic? It's actually one hundred fifty dollar mic. <laughs> <laughs> the thing is, the AT twenty twenty. Yeah, those 30, 30. Mics. Yeah, 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 yeah. So he tested all those mics, and they put the test gear, the analytical gear, on it, and. <laughs> Just what shaking happened? his head. He what happened, Jed? What happened? He was showing me his Norman collection one day. Yeah. And he tells me this story. And he says, here's the, here's the data. He goes, 
I love these mics, and they're like 150 <laughs> bucks. He goes, but then I'm looking at my $100,000 mic collection going, oh my God, I just blew it out of the water. But he, this guy right here is the real deal. He was around in Nashville. He knew, he was the mic guru. So what, which uh, audio technical audio technica mic did he all blow? Of them. A, really? All of them. He, their whole series. They have these high-end tube mics they make yeah. you know, for two, 3000 bucks, all the way down to the $100 one. He said, we did them all. At the end of the day, mm. this I mean, this he was telling me this story 15 years ago or 20 years ago. Wow. So, do you know what, what chain he is by any chance? Uh, well, they, I mean, I'm sure they had SL it, it, consoles. Yeah, it was, it was about chain, the mic. Right? So, oh, yeah. he's, he's pointing this them. question for a reason. Go ahead, Ray. Let him know why you're asking this. No, no, no. The, like, <laughs> well, because I might want to buy it. Yeah. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> well, I let you have one. You should have one. Yes, I do. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's a 4025. Yeah. Is it, that what it is? I yeah. Can't yeah, I have it at my house. Yeah. Jed gave it to me. Because <laughs> so he was whining, he didn't have a mic. <laughs> then he whined more. He's like, this is an annoyment. <laughs> How dare you, Jed? <laughs> That's funny. So straight out of the mouth of the expert. <laughs> Overrated because there's mics out there that sound just as good. Just as good. Just Well, you know, that's in my perspective. Mm -hmm. And I saw it, a, a true, uh, you know, analytical thing go down. I saw the results and I, I agree with it. Um, the Norman, you're paying for the, I mean, what's a new, a new U87 is what, 3500 bucks or yep. something like that. <laughs> hey, if you can afford it, get it. But if you want to get a great sound, go get the audio. Well, how about this? <laughs> how about this? You have the money to get the U87. This is a what would you do? Uh -huh. Oh. Would, <laughs> yeah. would you get a cheaper mic and get better outboard gear? That may caught. Oh, look, yeah. Look, look, look. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Now, I, I wouldn't scrimp on the LA-2As or the, the Neve mic you, you know? But they have some great knockoffs. But yeah. if, but I would. those aren't overrated. <laughs> so, really, U87 is going to be like down the road after you have this stuff in your opinion like after you had your good preamps yeah and gear. so i mean i went i went like extreme right so let's yeah. go in the middle you okay know? the 414 mic yeah it's a thousand dollar mic sennheiser right Sen uh yeah Sen I think yeah yeah sennheiser no is it Sennheiser? 414 i can't remember who i know it. what they look like yeah it's a it's a little yeah, it's a sennheiser. mic right um, yeah so the 414, the studio I worked in, and the most where I learned how to engineer, did not have Norman mics. The mm -hmm. guy wouldn't own them. All right. He just wouldn't own he them. He would not own them because he thought they were overrated. Oh, <laughs> he was boycotting them. Yeah, he, he, he boycotted a lot of stuff. I mean, he, he even said that, uh, you know, SSL was a boat anchor. Oh! Whoa. <laughs> because he had a Neve console. He had a yeah. console, okay, okay. right? Yeah, 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 he had yeah, yeah. British consoles that were, he literally liked. And, you know, and uh, and so yeah, so the the four fourteen is about a thousand dollar mic. Mm -hmm. I think it's an AKG. Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. oh yeah, yeah. That yeah, sounds yeah. right. Yeah. And so if you want to, if you really want a name mic, I would go to that. Okay. Yeah, you, know, you you spend a lot less money, and it sounds very similar to a U eighty seven. There's probably people going to debate me on that, yeah. mm -hmm. but I've probably done three hundred sessions with a four fourteen. Mm. I've done. I've worked in studios that had the Norman's mics, and I've used them, and I was like. Sounds like What's the big 14. deal? <laughs> right. <laughs> Dang. Yeah, you know? So I, I always uh, would, I owned a couple of 414s in my life and got rid of them. Yeah. You know? But wow. the, so I, I always tell people, hey, man, you're in the A bracket with this, with this audio technica. You're getting an A bracket sound. Mm. It's, you know, it's the bottom of the A bracket, but you get an A bracket sound. A bracket is like top of the line sure. stuff, you know? Yeah. Sound wise. That's awesome. There we go. So next one is. UAD Apollo. 
underrated. Underrated. The Apollo. Yeah. Yes, that's what I got. In my opinion, it's it's the best. It's the best interface out there for the price because it has that built-in processing mm-hmm. and the plugins are built into the unit and the latency is lower because mm. you get the Thunderbolt. Now, Let them know, Jack. Right. Yeah. So you get the Thunder. The latest one was the Thunderbolt three. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is like you know the real very. Very good. Yeah. If you, if you learn how to use it properly and you learn how to do the low latency and Pro Tools, and I use Pro Tools, so I'm, I'm always refer to that. Mm-hmm. A lot of people don't. Uh, they might use Logic or whatever. Mm-hmm. Amen, brother. <laughs> and, I, I, and I'm not going to comment on that because I'm not a Logic user. Yeah. But Raymond is. Yeah, I use both. Yeah, Me too. Both. So, <laughs> I, you know, but the, the UA stuff is, it's more expensive, mm-hmm. but it's worth the, the money. It's awesome. Yeah, I got there you. There you go. All right, so the last one before we just get into... And by the way, I do have a... a uh, Apollo? A Apollo, yeah. Right. I don't. I'm left out. I need to get one. I have actually either. two of them. One yeah. yeah. He's trying to donate an Apollo to me? Is that what he just said? <laughs> I don't know. It might be blessed. <laughs> All right, so the last one is Celimony Melodyne. Uh, I think it's underrated. Really? Yeah, because it's truly a box where you can make chicken salad out of chicken crap. <laughs> Right. Wait, what does that mean? <laughs> yeah, he just, he just threw a crazy <laughs> analogy. Man, I've done so many sessions, and I've heard the players. You know, in Nashville, it's all session players that play on the stuff, right? And they're yeah. just like the best in the world. And they'll just kind of listen to this, the you know, the songs. And I mean, they cut some songs. You know, you you've been in those sessions where Buddy, my my crew of guys, they'll cut twenty songs in one day. It's mm. crazy. country songs, and uh, they're like. We're gonna make chicken salad out of chicken crap today because it's, right. it's just they got Melodyne. chicken salad. Yeah, well, Melodyne. Oh, like, that, that was where the the phrase came from. That was right? where the phrase came from. Got it. But literally, I can take anybody and pretty much make them sound pretty good with Melodyne. With Melodyne. Yeah, because it's nice. it's uh, you know the auto tune is good. I like auto tune. I use it a little gentle auto tune on most of the stuff I mix. Mm-hmm. But when I go to some heavy stuff, I the Melo and and Pro Tools just did a thing they just changed their software so that melodyne works better in pro tools oh. it's embedded in it and having, it's very rare for pro tools to do something know, to make they, it run they, more no. efficiently well you know you see when you when you do melodyne you'd have to do it and then you'd have to render oh, it yeah, yeah. it would take long right now it's it's seamless it's supposed it's like you know it's supposed to work really good i haven't tried it yet because it just came out last week right and okay. i just downloaded it. i haven't uh, installed it yet that's one of the dangers of like trying to update too is if you're the first round of updates, you're right? Like, My yeah. session doesn't open now. Yeah. Yep. Crap. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's awesome. That's a good. I think that was a good session of overrated versus underrated. Yes. The first time. Or did we have some good controversy there? Probably. That's right. Let, Let us see. know in the comments if you agree think, or yeah. disagree. Let us know. So let's get. Let's just jump straight in. We just have a bunch of questions for Jed because right. since he so graciously came. Right. We want to just drain him of all of his knowledge we possibly can. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> I love it, man. <laughs> so the first question, go ahead, Ray. I'll let so you, the first question is, Jeb, who's your favorite artist and songwriter? Okay, so that changed over the years, but as I got older, and I'm pretty old, guys, um, it would have to be Paul McCartney. Ooh, let it be. Beatles, let it be. Right? Mm-hmm. Yep. And, and here's why. It used to be was the i would say like the eagles or somebody like that you know Uh because they were you know but when you go back and you really start looking at the documentaries of the beatles and you look at see what they had to deal with Mm. 
they didn't have music stores back then to buy your favorite pedal or your favorite plug-in. They didn't have plug-ins back then. Right. If the Beatles said, hey, I want this, they had to get a guy who came in with a white trench coat into the studio and design it on the spot. Wow. Right? Like so they, ma- make the console? They had to make, manufacture make it stuff, from the yeah. spot. Like make a mic pre right yeah, down the spot? Make it, they had to make stuff. So like it. soldering iron, yeah. like the whole nine? Yeah. Um, <laughs> John Lennon was the first one. He was getting lazy. And they used to, you know, back in those days, if you listen to a lot of recordings, and here's a good tip, um, if you don't have a great singer, but you have a stylist, a guy who's got a great style, like Mick Jagger cannot sing himself out of a wet paper bag, but he sells his music because <laughs> he he's a it. stylist. <laughs> right. right. Yeah. But listen to his voice. He's not a good singer. No. Right. 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 He's not. He's really he's not. Marketable. But he. But they doubled his voice a lot. Yeah. They uh, they stacked him. Strength him up. And they did that with John. John Lennon hated the way his voice sounded. He hated it. He thought wow. it sounded so bad. And so they would always stack him, and he'd have to sing it twice, and he'd have to sit there and, and match it. Wow. And one time he just says, I'm tired of doing this. Make a box. So they made the first doubler. <laughs> oh, <laughs> really? Yeah. That kind of stuff. And there's the, the I think it was the EMI uh, studio they were at. The uh, I can't tell. In exactly. London? In he London, said make yeah. a box. Yeah, they had to make <laughs> boxes, you know. I mean, That's... if you go, I just challenge anybody to go out there and just to go research and stuff, you will see that those guys were real. on the cutting edge of technology that wasn't even in there yet. Yeah, they were real engineer because yeah. they had to engineer the box, engineer oh, yeah, yeah. all the circuitry yeah. on the inside. When they did that, what's that album we were talking about? Yes, let it is it Let It Be? Uh, that yeah. documentary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When they showed up on, to the big Disney Plus. movie studio, they looked around. There was nothing there. They said, "Where's the console?" They said, "Oh, we're going to have to put one together for you." Right. They have to. Build, they had to build because they couldn't just go buy one at the store, mm-hmm. wow. and they weren't going to pull the one out of the studio, right? So, right, yeah. So That's it was that. Amazing. That made me turn around and go, "Oh wow, man, these guys." I mean, we're looking at it through our lenses, like hearing great technology, having all this information in front of us that we know it's just we take for granted. They didn't have any of that stuff, so wow. they were geniuses at what they did. You know? That's pretty cool. Yeah, that's pretty cool. So, I'm a big fan of uh making fun of ray whenever he talks about uh, me too man fatness <laughs> and the sound of analog so how would you describe analog sound you could use the same terms as him too okay so it is it is a warmer sound um and it's a warmer sound because it rolls off it naturally rolls off the high end what do you mean naturally so when 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 an analog uh, when the tape goes on past the head the recording head uh-huh. you know there's a reel to reel and it's going like right. right when it goes past the head the the uh, electronics puts a magnetic thing on the tape and that process the design they did the technology they used the process they have a natural compression inherent compression that it does to the that's, oh, that's okay. where the bottom end warmth comes from and then it it just it degrades the sound in a way that our ears like it. Huh. Uh, and so analog actually degrades the sound, but we're so used to the, it, it's so musical sounding to us, mm-hmm. right? That's and and uh, digital doesn't do that. It's a one-to-one. You give it this, and it gives it right back to you exactly how mm. you give it. Uh-huh. And so people were used to it, this musical de- nice sound happening that went away when digital comes and everybody freaked out and thought digital was too harsh too brittle oh right okay because it didn't do that process right so what digital tape even do that no Mm -mm. was digital tape one-to-one digital tape was one-to-one because it was still digital digital interesting yeah the way it was landed to talk about 
Is that what it is? The ADAT tape? ADAT was one of the first digital recorders that was uh, affordable. So Mitsubishi, when I was working in Nashville I remember at these studios, yeah. they had the ex, uh, Mitsubishi was the the top uh, recorder they were using. We had thirty two track, one inch tape. Right. Remember, and and mm-hmm. and, um, and that was that was revolutionary for me because I I sat in the studio many times before that and wow. used Studer recorders, yeah. two inch. Oh yeah, he's the Studer master. Yeah, he's yeah. a Studer master. Not master, but I've used it. Uh, <laughs> you know, there's a lot of guys. He's being there. humble, y'all. He's yeah. being humble. We know. So. We couldn't do it. Well, and you know, in digital, <laughs> the digital realms made it a lot easier for engineers because Studer, when you did analog, you had to, if you put an Ampex roll of tape on the reel, you had to get that recorder set for that tape. You had uh-huh. to bias it. You had to set all the, the uh, all the little bitty. Pots and See, this is how you know he's the master. He yeah. knows all about setting the bias. Right. That's what engineers that had to the... learn how to do back in the day in the 80s, 70s, and 80s. Digital, you don't do any of that stuff. Right. You know, And so I got in on the tail end of the analog and the beginning of digital in, in Nashville, so uh-huh. I still had to learn how to do analog, mm-hmm. but the digital thing came on really fast, so we quit using analog right. because the digital and the studios I was working in had great consoles. And so it, we didn't lose the bottom end. Okay. Right. Cause the consoles, mic pre's and the EQs and the compressors we using all had, we had two stuff. Right. You, just, you just track. We just into digital through yeah. all your. All your we actually stuff. liked digital better at the time because it didn't add that other thing to it. We had to compensate the harshness. The harshness. Oh. Yeah, it, it added bottom end, so we couldn't use as much of the tube stuff because mm. it was double whammying the bottom end, right? Interesting. So when we went to digital, that's what I noticed. I was using all these tube mic pre's and all that stuff, and I was like, "Oh wow, man! I yeah. don't have to. Con- I can do this instead." You know? Right. And so your ears are are very key to this too, learning training your ears. You know. So would that technically be? I'm thinking like we're talking about digital actually reproducing the exact sound. So yes. technically, would analog be coloring the sound? Yes. So that's what that's the tape a, machine a, would do. Is that's, color a, it. that's a good terminology to use. It would color the sound. But like but at it, the time, they didn't know it was coloring. They're like, "This is it. This is yeah. the reproduction of my sound." Yeah. So, so when I was, um, I forgot what year this was. It was the middle nineties. Yeah. So I don't know if you guys know who Chet Atkins is, but Chet Atkins was a big time guitar player out of Nashville. He's uh, a legend. He's actually the guy that got Nashville going. One of the guys that got the wow. recording industry in Nashville going. Nice. He owned the uh, RCA building, that mm-hmm. RCA, that Elvis cut RCA Studio A and then Studio B. Um, and Chet Atkins was doing an album. A guy named David Hungate was producing it, right? The guy, the, the original with, bass player for Toto. Yeah, I played with Yeah, with you David did a session. That sessions I hired with you. you. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and uh, and so I was, <laughs> I was this, they did it at the studio that I was working a lot at and I was, I was heavily engaged and, um, I got invited to go and see this AB, they said. So this was a console. It was a Calrec console. It was an English console. Nice. Which is a like a upscale SSL, I call it. Uh-huh. It sounds like a Neve, but it works like an SSL kind Uh-oh. of thing. Fanboys uh, are going to be upset with him talking like that. Yeah, man. <laughs> well, you know, the, the SSL had all the bells and whistles on it. That's why yeah. everybody loves it, right? It's got all the compressors and all that stuff. So it had the best of both worlds, pretty the best. much. So the Calrec was the best of, of the Neve and the SSL kind mm. of thing. Oh, nice. That was my take on it. So we had a 32-channel. Uh, 
channels on this side, 24 channels on that side. And you could flip a switch and go hear that mix or you could hear that mix. Mm. Ah, And so they decided to record in both analog and digital at the same time. Yeah. And then they'd set the mixers and they mixed this side and then then they mixed that side. You were there? Yeah, I was there. And then boom, boom, boom. Wait, wait, so... Let me. I'm gonna pause you just for a yeah. second because I know there's some younger people that are on this that they're like mix. I just do the fader on Pro Tools or on Logic. What you're talking about is they had the console. They had whatever they recorded to tape or to digital. They'd route it back out uh-huh. into the preamps into the console like that. That's right. So whenever you mix a, an analog fader up and down, it's adjusting the volume. It's when you EQ it, it's adjusting. It's it. all on on the channel and it's all analog. So when right. they switch it, they're switching from this entire mixer console. Right. And then when you switch to this one, it's switching to that one. So to even take it one step further, to clarify, we were using a digital recorder with an analog console. Mm. Okay, and so when the the digital recorder would just feed it back in to the console for us to hear it. The same exact files going to this, same exact files going to that. But then you had an analog. Then I had an analog recorder that we plugged into this side of the console that we recorded at the same time. We just, you know, piggybacked it. And so we would... Start the tape, and you could sync them together so that they're exactly at the same spot. Oh, cool. Uh. And so we would start the tape, and they were both running, and then we would hit that side of the console and listen to it. And then we would hit that side of the console, so we were listening to the digital recorder, are the analog recorder. Dude, that's that's got to be the ultimate. So what were the That is the the ultimate A-B test. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Everybody in the room, and we're talking heavyweight people, Chad Atkins, everybody in the room agreed on one thing. What? The only difference we heard was the hiss. No. Don't you tell us that, Jed. I'm telling you, I was there. <laughs> wah, wah, wah. <laughs> and that's because... The hiss on the analog tape, that's all. That's, all, that's, that's the we, only that's difference. That's where we were going. All we hear is the difference is the, the hiss. And we're talking heavyweight people. We're hey, talking I'm, about the bass player. I wasn't in the room, but I, was, I acknowledge what you're saying. There. I know. Much yeah. respect. And, you know, that's how I remember it. I was there, right? I saw it go down. And I was like, whoa. This so no, you, you no, agreed, volume dis- I did. no volume difference? No nothing? No, because we mixed it so it that all. it would match. We just wanted so it was to a hear completely the quality. AB. We to hear- so the analog didn't have an increased fatness? <laughs> <laughs> was there no increased fatness? There was no increased fatness. <laughs> Only because we were going through a... Fatness board to record both. It was already uh, fat going already in. Fat going the fatness in. Was okay. baked in. Right. It, it, so it could have f- had a little bit, but I'm, I'm telling you, you, you're talking about overrated, underrated. Yeah. The analog versus digital so, is an overrated, so this underrated is, statement. So this is um, <laughs> from the mix stage of it. Is yes. what you're talking about yes. the mix comparison, not a recording comparison. Which he's getting all upset about the fact. Well, it no, is, no, no, it no, is a recorder. Uh, yeah. we, were, we were comparing recorders on the same analog console, mm. and we, we we we. I could get two of the engineers that they're still alive today that were in the room, and they will they will verify that. I need to call them. And you agree? No, you no, agree we with believe them? Believe you? Yeah. I I remember back in the day in the garage studio, I had some girl come in and she was a rapper. And she's like, man, I can't. I just want to get this sound. There's like, there's like a uh, distortion hiss sound, like what Lady Gaga has. And I looked at her. I was like, you want that sound? Do you think it's gonna make your music go viral? Yeah, that's probably it. I'm like, 
that's what it is. It's probably a tape hiss that's in there that she's hearing. That's yeah. saying like, "What is that? I want that on my thing." Okay, so you know how I told you you would you would say things that would remind me of something. I got to tell you all this quick story. Let about, it rip, Jad. We right. need it. Yeah, it, it does deal with this lo-fi thing you're talking about. I'm sitting in Havelina had two studios in Nashville. We called Havelina's a, a wild pig in Texas, right? And, and the owner was from Texas, so he called it Havelina. And so the big studio. You could play basketball. And it was called, huge. We called it Big Pig, and the little studio on Nineteenth, which is a not a, it was a medium sized studio, was yeah. called Little Pig. Right. I was working in um, Little Pig one day, and I, somebody was beating on the door, and I could hear this, something, you know, because I had my room door open, and I looked at the camera, and there's some brothers. Some, yeah. Some ghetto brothers at the door. Yeah. And I'm like, I don't want to open this door here, you know. Yeah. And and but there was one guy in a suit. And I'm like, oh. So I go up there and I threw the glass. I said, Can I help you? He says, We want to rent your studio. Mm-hmm. And he had a suit on and everything. So I opened oh the door. And I said, Hey, what's up? And it was like five brothers and this this guy. You know, they were all brothers, but this guy had a suit on. He must have been their manager or something. Right. He says, Yeah, we want to. We, we decided we want to rent a real studio to do our rap stuff. Mm. Yeah. And I'm like, You know, I've never done a rap. Come on in. <laughs> <laughs> and Come dude, on they, in. They were making me do stuff that I learned not to do. All right. <laughs> they right. wanted to distort it. They wanted this stuff. And that's where they just want this certain sound. And I'm, I was laughing. And they were like, Why are you laughing? I said, Because I'm doing everything that I was taught not to do <laughs> as an engineer. <laughs> yeah. But they're trying to get a sound out they of it. They wanted a certain sound. And I said, I was giving it to them, man. Man, yeah, it was a pretty interesting thing. I made a lot of money from them because they came back like. Come on times. in, <laughs> come on! I'll make come this thing distort all. That's the what way. we got to do yeah, with producers, right? Come on come in, in. <laughs> come on! Yeah. And but if yeah. they're cool people, but right. I understood. I learned. You know, they were trying to get a sound. They were they were right. trying to be innovative. Yeah, they, right. And they were degrading the sound to what they liked. They thought sounded good. Well, yeah. you know, modern rap mixes now they do a thing like some of them may put a little clipping on the main vocal, but they'll do an ad lib track. That is a telephone with distortion, yeah. sure. reverb, delay. You hear it on all of them, and that's yep. probably like maybe the the evolving from that sound into what it is now, or maybe that was them catching that. Yeah, know. yeah, yep. So Ray want to talk about the the next point we have up there, right? So you know we're we're still kind of in that vein, analog versus digital. So can we walk us through? Can we've done the recorder. So walk us through the difference between analog effects and then digital effects. Because I know a lot of the digital stuff is trying to emulate the analog effect. And, and, and right. doing it really well. Okay. Right? Yeah, so well, I, yeah walk us In my that. arsenal, I have the all of the Abbey Rhodes plates and chambers. And the you feel waves? like Plates and chambers. The waves? Yeah, the way. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I yeah. love. I thought that. he had the real stuff. I was like, well, no. I, no, no so no, I'm no, getting no. ready to talk about the real stuff. Yeah, well, yeah, but we're talking about analog versus digital right, effects. Right. So, so those you, those wave those plugins are obviously digital, right? Because right. they're they're in the box, they're in the computer. But at the same studio at the Big Pig at Havelina, they had a back room, and in that back room were two big wooden crates right. that were like ten foot wide and about four foot tall and about a foot. That uh-huh. and there were literally metal, metal plates, metal plates, mm. in there. and those yeah. were EMT plates that were made out of England, and and they had a big old knob on the top that you could the decay of the reverb you turned it to be long or what? short. What? Yeah, Dang. and I learned how to mix with that 
those uh-huh. plates. And that's what the Abbey Road plates, uh, the plugins emulate. emulate, those real plates. Right. They're the, cl- they're the best things I've heard that sound, because I had the real plates. Mm-hmm. I used them for years, and those are analog, because you would take a signal, run it into the, and they would pop it on the plate, and the plate would vibrate, and then they had pickups that would pick up the sound. So you're that's, saying yeah. these digital effects yeah. are running signal the same way an analog signal would run no i'm saying that, that the digital the effects are emulating that okay there and you know and, and lexicon was probably one of the first ones mm-hmm. oh that right came out that yeah. really did a good job right because i couldn't afford no, you know, nobody I mean, can nobody can get that. those plates they first of all who would want to have that big box in your house right or your studio <laughs> right. nobody or even in your studio like i've seen them they're there they're, they're, they're massive yeah i mean you would take uh three guys to move it around and probably pick up what a, 10 foot yeah, they're ten, they're ten, fifteen foot huge. long. Yeah. So, so um, I I say this: um, if you have a studio with this in it, use them. Right? <laughs> yeah, use but them. The, the chances of you seeing one, anybody out there that's listening to this, probably never going to see one of those because yep. they're rare now. And so you have to use digital, and there's some phenomenal digital stuff out go. there. That's cool. Yeah. Well, there, that's yeah. huge. I put a little yeah. peace of mind to some of them plug-in people out there right yeah, exactly i love plug I, that when you said it earlier that i like i'm the i like the best of both worlds. yeah best of both worlds, yeah your hybrid i did an album that claire and i recorded a bunch of songs and i was so like into this analog versus digital thing i recorded analog and dumped it to digital right because mm-hmm. i like some of the digital stuff how fast it was how easy it was yeah you know and, and uh and the clarity no hiss on the vocal track mm-hmm. yeah. i don't you know i can take hiss on a bass guitar because you can roll that off i can take hiss on anything else but i hate hiss on a vocal track right yeah. all right so we've talked about recorders we've talked about effects so what about analog consoles versus digital consoles um i love them all Right, because I always use mic pre's and and I use external gear to get the sound out if I have it. If I right. Can get it. Okay. Unless unless I had a Trident console or API console or a Calrec or mm. or you know a Neve. Yes. Yes. You know you don't need as much outboard gear, right? Mm-hmm. Right. So, but so if um you know I was in the little Havilena, the little studio. Uh, Warren Peterson was the owner. Uh-huh. Warren Peterson did all of Willie Nelson records, right? Okay, he, yeah. That's who taught me how to engineer. Yeah. And uh, and above, he, that's not the only thing he's done. He's done tons of stuff. But he, I learned how to engineer from that guy. Yeah. He called me one day and says, hey, I need you to come over to the studio. You're the kind of the whiz kid on the technology, you know. <laughs> uh, you know and I was younger then, and I was the guy, because he didn't want to mess with Pro Tools. Yeah. And, and Pro Tools hadn't hit yet. And uh, it was the Neve people there installing a Neve Capricorn digital mixer. Oh, I think I've heard that. It's a it was a million dollar mixer. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think I've, I've That was the first I've digital mixer I ever encountered and I learned how to use it and I fell in love with it. So it was it was the best of both worlds like it was knee oh, fatness. It was fatness. The, it fatness. was the it was the, you know, creme de la creme. Did of. you mix on it? Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. I was doing a session with all these top players and there's a digital board in it called the Maddie board and it went out in the middle of the session and I freaked out so I called the Neve guy and I said hey he came up there with a board popped it in I was up and running in five minutes what yeah. <laughs> so I was like dude because literally when, when you're in those big sessions oh, with those gosh. big players time is money oh yeah man it's uh, <laughs> well the studio in those days was $2,000 a day to rent mm-hmm. and those players were making you know $1,000 every three hours I bet with the million dollar board in there yeah <laughs> sheesh <laughs> Yeah, fun stuff. 
So we have another question. Yeah. What are your top three ways to get a digital a digital recording, digital anything to sound analog? Okay, so the first rule is you got to train your ears to know what analog sounds. Oh, that's supposed good. To sound like, right? Because not the gear, it's the ear. Yeah. <laughs> if you can't hear it, you can't get it. Right? So we we should be listening to you those should, analog. You should listen record. to. I I did it this way. Yeah. Every time I go set up a PA, every time I go in a con in a new studio environment, I play certain songs that I know yeah. how they sound and what they sound like and they're accurate analog mixes. Right. And then I listen to the speakers. You know, and if it's real boomy, I'm going, Oh, this this room's not tuned right. Because I know those records sound good and like if you take it in a mastering lab that's accurate as can be and you listen to it, it sounds right. Right. And if it sounds right in the mastering lab, then now that's your reference, right? Got so it. train you gotta you gotta learn it, you know, um uh James Taylor, a lot of you young folks might not know who he is and you may have heard his songs before. His song Fire and Rain, that song right I've there. Seen I've seen rain. Right. That's a great song for reference. St- uh, um Steely Dan, Steely uh, Dan, uh, uh, any Steely Donald Fagans. Yeah, all the Steely Dan stuff yeah. is accurate. What about uh, Back in Black? Yeah, that stuff's accurate too. I like, I yeah, like yeah. that one. If you like ACDC, that's a good one. They're, they're going to all those analog of the late seventies, early eighties. Mm-hmm. You know, if you go early seventies, the mixes aren't as accurate. They're still you know coming up with technology, but the late seventies on to the nineties. Dude, Def Leppard's record to me is like super analog sounding. Yeah, that, all of those records were still being photograph and all that. You stuff. know, Pro Tools hit in the what early '90s, maybe, maybe. You know, I remember Warren, the owner of the studio, calling me again, saying, "Hey, they got a Pro Tools thing. Some some company called Digico, whatever. Digitech, <laughs> Digit Design, Digit Designs. That's what yeah. they, were, they were before Avid. They they got this new thing called Pro Tools. I'm not interested in it. Figured you might want to go check it out. You're the young pup here. We got to check it on the technology. And we didn't even go. Okay. Right. Yeah. Then, but years later, we had to. Right. So, right. Yeah. I'm and I'm glad. I, I'm a Pro Tools. I'm a mouse guy. I don't need a console. Mm. Give me Mike Pre's and all that stuff now, and give me a Pro Tools rig. And right. Man, I'm happy. As well. All right. So that was one. Listen to old records. What's like two and three? Um. Use Waves plugins. No, just kidding. Yeah, um, I think I think number two tip is um, really understanding what's digital and what's analog. Right? Okay. There's a big misconception of what that stuff is. It's like when you say, "Yeah, bring me a Coke." Right? Right. You might want a Pepsi, but you say Coke because Coke's the general term now. Well, that's kind of like what this is. You know? okay. Yeah, okay. So really, do your homework and understanding the difference between digital and analog because it gets kind of muddy there, and yeah. people think digital's something when it's really not, and analog's something when it's really not. You know, right. analog. You know, like like for instance, a tube amp mm-hmm. is basically an analog piece of gear, right? Mm-hmm. But a solid state amp is an analog so you don't have tubes you have chips in there oh right but they're still both analog mm-hmm. right some people might go oh that's a digital because it doesn't have a tube in it which is not really true then you got line six little computer brain <laughs> that's into a digital it. amp that's a digital it's got processors in it and all yeah. that stuff that's the digital right. version of the amp. and okay. that's all solid states there's no tubes involved right so, so you need to understand what the difference is you, i would i would study that because then you're going to start understanding what that truly that's good. is yeah that's good you know and i forgot what the third thing would be do, do you remember i don't you know the big the most important thing about that is training your ear man yeah 
training that's your ear. That's the big thing. Yeah. Yep. And don't get hooked up that on one way or the other because, you know, it's it's all like noses. Everybody has one, right? Opinions. Right. Right. And so, and uh, that's not the real term, but I'll, I'll choose You're not keeping to it. Ex- yeah, I'm Christian keeping for it us. Christian, right. <laughs> right. So, so, uh, so the, the thing about it is, is that everything I'm saying is my opinion and my perspectives and eat the meat, spit out the bones. I do have a lot of experience doing it and I do have had some some success getting good sounds so you might want to listen to guys like me but then eat the meat spit out the bones and go learn it from yourself go don't take what i'm saying from granted go figure it out yourself check it out yeah use what i'm doing kind of and expand on that right that's great so we want to jump into some practical tips yeah so we want to know some tips on recording acoustic and then also electric okay so you're listening to me in stereo by the way right you have two ears Right. So the room is giving a little bit of ambience, and then your ears are perceiving it. Now, I'm sitting just not quite in front of me, so one ear is catching you more than the other. So if you want to capture an acoustic guitar and try to emulate like what your ears are hearing it, you really got to learn that concept. So I was one day I was – putting a guitar a mic there and i was like well i'm not capturing what i really hear mm-hmm. and i thought oh what if i put a mic right here by your ears by my ear <laughs> so oh. i put a mic here and i put a mic there and he pan it and i'm like oh that's what so, I'm listening so you, for so you put a, a mic on like the 12th fret i guess and then one overhead uh, it, it doesn't have to be the 12th fret because different guitars sound different so you have In to kind of investigate that you don't want too much muddiness you know, so you but you do want some warmth because if you go too far, you're gonna get nothing but a lot of the chingy chingy yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you you want to kind of investigate from the hole to the twelfth fret. Okay. Kind of and maybe depending on the guitar, maybe six inches from the guitar, depending on the guitar and how the person's playing it. And then that's another good tip, man. Like it's very instrument dependent. So mm-hmm. so yes. don't, everything's not too. cookie cutter. Every, no, just it's because not. something it's works using your ear. Right, right. Using your ear. That's a Train big tip. Train your ear, man. Yeah. And so get explore your, the space. Yeah. You, you know, the, the the best thing I tell young people is is man, use your ear. You're listening to me in stereo, so everything is we got to do it in stereo. That's right? good. You know, yeah. but if you put a mic up here and you put a mic there, you're gonna get a nice stereo spread, a natural stereo spread. Mm-hmm. Uh huh. And and this is going to add a dimension that's going to make it sound natural mm. to you. And that's what most people don't get, the natural sound. Right. They get the front sound of a close mic. And I do that with drums, too, by the way. Yeah. So Nice. Yeah, you know, I don't mic drums. And that's another tip, mic and drums. You don't want to mic drums like they're um, eight different instruments. Mm. Okay. You want to mic drums like it's one set of drums. Right. right. I actually follow what if I'm having to do a mix on drums, I actually do with Jet. Like Jet first uh, mixes the room first mm. and, yeah. then and then bring I out add, the end. And I the add the, the clarity. That way it sounds like a set of drums. I don't. It's, <laughs> right. <laughs> right. <laughs> the drums sound like drums. Like when, when he said that, I was like, man, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, <laughs> because lot of sense. When, when you're playing and you're in the room, mm-hmm. You hear the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. Which brings you to a story. <laughs> Let's go ahead and let it rip. Yeah. You know that the Eagles, when they got their deal on Geffen Records, uh, yeah. uh, the guy, David Geffen, decided to get him a producer. So he gets him the producer that produced Led Zeppelin. Right. Right? Right. And uh, the British guy, Glenn John, and he actually did the Beatles, too. Okay. He engineered the Beatles stuff a lot. Yeah. He engineered that documentary you were watching the other day. Right. And uh, that guy... He would not close mic anything. 
I remember that right? on the documentary. Right. Yeah. And, you know, you can go watch the Eagles documentary and hear Don, and Don Henley didn't like kill that. Him. He didn't like the guy. Yeah. And, uh, and, and it's because he wanted it to sound like a set of drums. Right. Right. And actually, I mean, Led Zeppelin drums sound great, right? Right. <laughs> Rock and roll. <laughs> <laughs> so I kind of learned that. Yeah. And then I saw um, an engineer in Nashville, Mike, and doing some miking techniques. I used to always be able to hang out in these studios, right? Yeah. And when, they, when I knew some big time engineer was coming in, I would sneak in because I had keys to the place and I would see how he was setting up and I would act like I'm doing something in the other room. <laughs> right. Right. Hey, you need any help? I work over here. Yeah, can you do this? And I saw a guy, Mike, drums a certain way, so I just had to ask him. I'm like, hey, why? Right. Right. He goes, because I want him to sound like a set of drums. <laughs> I'm like, okay. Okay. And that's Fair where enough. I got that from. So that, right, that'll good. lead us into uh, recording electric guitar. Yeah. Yeah, so electric's easy. Don't screw it up. <laughs> Let the guitar player give you the sound and capture it. Don't right. don't think you have to create his sound. Mm. If he's not giving you a good sound, make him give you a good sound. Mm. Make him work it out himself so that you just put a 57. Uh-oh. That's in 57. Overrated, underrated. <laughs> it, that's underrated. It is underrated. Because most people out in the world don't understand that every session I've ever done and every guitar player, I've, that great guitar player I've ever worked with, Demanded an S57 on their on their speakers. Yeah, you know, and uh, and they they would. Uh, Brent Mason is probably one of the top five most recorded guitar players in history. And the, yeah, played on every country hit you can imagine He's for the beast. last thirty five years. Good friend of mine. I accidentally moved his mic <laughs> on his amp he knew a it. little bit to the right. Because I moved it and I was in there doing something in the back room where we put his amp and, and it moved and I go, oh. So I pushed it back. And he goes, hey, did, uh, did, you, did you move my mic? <laughs> I'm like, oh, maybe. I don't know, man. I, t- no, I kind of tapped it. He goes, oh, okay. He those guys can hear that he stuff. He pops it right. I mean, he knows exactly where that mic's got to go. Wow. They, a good guitar player will give you the sound. That's Just don't really muck good. it up. <laughs> it's not what you do. It's what you, it's not what you don't. It's what you don't do that counts, right? Right. Don't right. think that you have to be an engineer and create something because those guys are so good, man. Yeah. And you know, you have to be an engineer to mic drums. You have to be a good engineer to mic a piano. Sure. Right? Because you got to listen to the piano. Some pianos sound muddier than others. You got to change whether some, like with country, you put the piano mics way up where the hammers hit because you want that bright cut through. Mm-hmm. But if you're, you're going to do a, a, somebody singing with a piano in an auditorium, well, you're going to get a more ambience on the piano. Right. So you're going to mic it differently, right? Right. And so those are the kind of things you have to learn how to, in engineering. But on an electric guitar, man, those guys, but they're going to give you a good. So really, what you're saying is the player better know what they're doing, Absolutely. or you got to teach them to do it right. 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 Like for instance, I had I had one bass player come and go, "Hey, I didn't bring anything. Can you put an EQ and a compressor on there?" I'm like, "No." <laughs> <laughs> and then I backed no. off. No, yes, you're supposed to give it to me better. You know, you know like that. yeah, you're no. you're technically a professional. Do, really well, do so your I'll, job, yeah, and I'll, I'll do, do mine. mine. You have one job to do. <laughs> And that's give me a great bass sound. That's all why you got to do. Why would someone come in there like that? <laughs> why would they come in there like that? Uh, he just, you know, he was a good friend of mine. I was messing with him because oh, he, okay. he knew that I would be able to he do it. He knew your capability. He knew what I was going to do. I'm like, no. <laughs> right. <laughs> but, you know, but, you know. But the but, point is, yeah. you know, have good 
players that know yeah. what they're doing. To Every give you player the right that thing. I've ever worked in in Nashville that's in the A team on the A team, which we call there's there's tons of those guys that we call on the A team. Yeah, you you don't mess with their sound. You just capture their sound, mm. and that's that's that's, awesome. that's a fact. Well, I know we got we got a lot of stories out of Jed, but we have one particular. So we'll let Jed tell us another story. What's well, oh yeah. Um, are we talking about mono versus stereo, or are we talking about? Oh, that's right. I skipped that one. Did you? <laughs> yeah, the good thing you remember. <laughs> I have notes here, and I that's a great here. story. We'll do it. <laughs> yeah, that story is relevant to what we're talking about. So the I'll, first question was: Should you mix in mono? Yeah. So you never mix in mono. Right. You mix in stereo, but you reference to mono. Always ah. reference to mono. Yeah. Con- I need to start doing that. Yeah. I haven't been doing that because what happens is if you start th- mixing stuff stereo and, and something's out of phase, when you hit the mono button, it's going to go away, mm-hmm. and people will listen in mono. You know, sometimes, and um, you know, there's still AM radio out there. Well, they listen <laughs> off of this. Yeah, that too. And so, so uh, yeah, but but this is stereo, isn't it? No, no if you, it's if not. You hold it like this, it may go stereo. But if you hold it like this, it's it's, it's okay. Some sort of kind of. You can't hear it in stereo, but it's coming. There's supposed to be two speakers. Coming. Well, and they right. have the they have the speaker so, here is not the same speaker as this one. That's right. So even though they're pushing out a stereo signal, it this sounds, one sounds mono. Weird. Oh, okay. But mono, the mono, there's a, there's there's the an, analog version of mono, which is the a, literally a mono button on your either your little control unit or your mixing console, mm. or they have plugins that you can simulate. All right. So look, what, what, when I press that mono button, button, what am I looking for? What am you're I listening, listening for? You're listening to make sure nothing <laughs> make sure it go, goes good. away. Like, does the make, bass stay there? Oh, okay. Does the does the uh, does half of your guitar signal go away? You know, or something like that. You might. There's all kinds of things. You will hear something weird go down. Okay. If, it's, if you know, you hear. Because it. honestly, I need to do that. I have not been checking mono. You, you really should, and in, and also what, what mono doing. does is it really gives you a true blend check. Huh? Something may pop out that's way too loud mm, right. that you're not hearing properly. You know, it, usually that's because you're listening to your mix too loud when you're mixing. Got it. You know, oh the energy, right. Yeah. Right? I don't do that. Yeah. You gotta listen to it at the right level. Yeah. So that's like so, I know whenever you I track drums. If your cymbal mics are not in phase with the snare correctly, when you go to mono, it's like your cymbals are going to sound weird, or yeah. your snare's going to sound weird. That's why you got to check your phasing on. On they got little. I was you always go. Why do they put phase buttons on everything? And that's well, why. That's why. <laughs> you check that with your mono button, right? You check right. your drums. Can you on. give us a nerdy description of what phase actually is? Yeah, so I, I can give you a nerdy to technical. <laughs> that I was, correct. I, I mean the sc- correct. Definition. I went to school to be an electronics technician, so I'm a bona fide electronics guy. Ooh. And and so so. Um, signals have waveforms, right? Right. So a waveform could start here, go up, come down, and come back out. Yeah. So if you have a one that's out of phase, it's going to start at the bottom uh. and go up and go down. So you have one going up and one going down. So they're out of phase. They, they cancel each other and out. They cancel each other out. That's a phase that's thing. It. <laughs> and, and so th- what it does is the, 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 the button on the console flips that phase. Ah. And there's some people that actually like that. Mm. Uh, Brent, I actually like it on snares sometimes. Yeah, because it makes snares pop. Yeah, you always want to have have. Yeah, it it can. Well, well, the the bottom. You know what makes snares pop now? What? Just using a plug in and add seven snare drums to the original. (laughs) (laughs) That's what makes it pop. Sour, sour, sour. Seven different snare drum samples, different recording. Right, right. Mixed in. Don't ever take away the original, but add to it. That's what I love about uh, the plugins and digital now. This is coming from a forty-year vet, y'all. Yeah, man. He's saying put those samples because you want it to sound good. You want, hey, 
I, do you know what? It doesn't matter how you get it. Oh, come break, on, Dan. Break every rule in the book <laughs> if it sounds good. Come on, I don't Dan. care if it's the red going through the roof on the beater. If it sounds good, forget about it. Right. Come Just on. Just do it. <laughs> that's, the, that's the first rule. That's the that's one of those tips. Don't look at your meters. Listen. Mm. Listen. Listen with your ears, not your eyes. Yeah. That's good. And start using VU meters, by the way. Uh oh. Oh, yeah. Will you do that? I, I know that's an extra thing, but uh, recently Spotify has changed some of their. Yeah, all the platforms you, now have. Will you walk us through that? They've they've kind of uh, decided to, to, and they've gotten technology that they do their own kind of mastering. Yes. Right. Yes. And so if you plaster yours and you 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 fill the meters, we call it. You know, yeah. you know the makeup button on yeah, the, makeup the SS game. consoles and all that. Yeah. That makes it squeezes. It makes the the average listening level louder so when you do that and you make your mix real loud what's going to happen is spotify is going to see that signal as being hot and it's going to lower it how so, how far down like like to really average to, yeah so so what you think you're you know let's say somebody that didn't do it it's going to sound yours is going to sound less than theirs because the, their that technology is not working on theirs as much as yours and their dynamics going to be hitting better yeah, so what, exactly their so then what's the, the solution to that to that spotify change um mix with VU meters, then you can see your average listening level better than digital meters. Okay. And then you, and, you know, and don't don't think you have to get it as loud, right? Turn the speaker volume up if you want it loud. Mm. Don't make it loud by digitally, you know, squeezing the signal. Because with, they're going to turn limiters. it up. Because they're going to turn it up. They're going to turn it down. They're going to set it to where they want it. Yeah, they're going to drop it down. And as soon as they drop it, every, they just do it across the board. Every signal is going to be here. So if your peak is there, they're going to bring it down. If their peak is there, they're going to bring that down. But their dynamic range on somebody that didn't do it as much as you is going to sound better. But what if it's lower? Will they bring it up? Yeah, yeah it brings it up. Normalizing. Okay. Is that so, you think that's because they? Uh, they know there's going to be non-master, non-expertly yes. done stuff, and they want it to everyone's listener experience to be even, even across the board. They want it all to be even. Interesting. So that's like that's like the mastering side of it too, because you can mix, and then if you send it off to mastering, you got to let them know like, hey, I don't want my thing to sound quiet because it's mastered brick wall to the top. Yeah, you could just tell them, hey, I really want it to be dynamically good for for the digital platforms you know the phones had have, have that technology built into them mm. in your little itunes player ah. you know how you can make it all sound the same oh that's right that's what that's basically with spotify i'm sure that's where they got the technology from gotcha so, thanks for reminding us about well let me mono. tell you about that story about al Pachuki, this mono to right, 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 yeah, right. Yeah, 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 so sorry. so yeah it's really funny so the very first session i ever walked in i was an intern at a publishing company in nashville i was a production assistant we were doing a session. These two guys from Atlanta come in, and they're doing a they're, they hired this studio and this engineer, a guy named Al Pachuki did all of Elvis Presley's stuff. He flew him to Hawaii when Elvis did the, the big Hawaii thing. Yeah. He flew Al, Al Pachuki on a private jet just to mix the record. Mm. And Al Pachuki just had to look at the console and go, yep, that's a good console, and, and that's all Elvis needed. That's the guy. So I'm in a studio <laughs> with Al Pachuki, uh, old guy, you know, yeah. and uh, and – he uh, he's mixing this thing, and these guys from Atlanta, I can see this something ain't right. And I'm looking at it. And I'm just a fly on the wall watching this, right? I mean, I'm six months into Nashville, and finally one guy pops up. He says, "Hey," he says Al. He says, "I'm not digging the snare. Can you do something about that snare?" So Al Patuki says, "See all those gold records on the wall? That's me." <laughs> you just need to sit over there and be quiet. <laughs> I'm serious. The guy goes, "Are all those in mono or stereo?" <laughs> 
<laughs> They're so old. They're in motto. <laughs> He's so old. Oh, that was a good comeback. <laughs> he started laughing. Oh, really? Yeah. He, he liked that comeback? He liked it. That was a good one. Because <laughs> he was messing with him. Right, right. Yeah, right. he was messing with him. He fixed the snare. You know, it was just... Uh, had some overtone to it, right? Oh, the, the drummer just put one of those gels on it, or gels. right? You know. right. Yeah, it was one of those moments. <laughs> but Al Pachuca, and then he quit and became a butcher. <laughs> what? <laughs> I'm serious? He was done. <laughs> the old guy. He know? got enough gold. He's like, well, I'm gonna <laughs> yeah. have to yeah. conquer this butchering. I did the king, king of. I mean, what, yeah. What else is there? Yeah, he did it, man. He he did a lot of stuff for RCA back in the day. That That's guy. That's cool. But it was all in mono. <laughs> That's hilarious. Wow. But I mean, those guys, man, they had to pave the way, right? Yeah, they did. Yeah. So, so we had another story. Oh yeah, we got. I got a funny story, you know. You know, one of the things that I I had the benefit of doing all those years is running across. I was in country and Christian music, so I had those two rooms, just like uh, Ray Dog was in uh, Christian music. Um, so I was at the little studio on Nineteenth Avenue. So Nashville's music little pig, little, little, little pig, little pig. So music rows three <laughs> three streets, sixteenth, uh, uh, four streets, sixteenth, seventeenth, eighteenth, and nineteenth. Right. One mile long. That's is that net. the houses that are converted? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah and they're doing away yeah, with yeah. a lot of those because people are buying them and making other buildings now. Yeah. But back in those days, it was all old houses. Mm-hmm. Well, Little Pig was on 19th. Big Pig was on 17th. Right? right. And so it was two streets over, and it took about three minutes to get from one studio to the other. So I was in the small studio working late. It was probably seven o'clock at night one night, and the phone rings. Yeah. And I answer it, and the person goes, "Hey, let me in." <laughs> And I'm like, who's this? She goes, Winona. I go, Winona. Winona Judge. She goes, yeah, I'm, I'm over at the studio. And I went to dinner and nobody's, I need to get in. This is when she was a big dog already. Yeah, oh, yeah. This was her first album. Oh, okay. Off of the Judge. Right? Okay. Yeah. This was like the big thing right here. Yeah. And, and so I'm like going, okay. I said, well, I'm at the other studio. Obviously, they're not back from dinner, but I have a key. I'll come over and let you in. She goes, oh, that would be so nice of you. Thank you. So I drove over two streets, walked in. There she is waiting in the little tunnel to get into the back door of the studio. So I see her. I meet her. I introduce myself. I let her in. And um, I let her in the studio. And I go to the the big, you know, and this is a studio where you can play basketball in. Right. In the the studio part. Yeah. And I look at the swine. No, the 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 big pig. pig. The big pig. (laughs) And I look over in the studio and I see just all these candles, like big candles everywhere, you know. And I, I see furniture and I see couches and chairs and rugs on the floor it's you know it didn't look like that the day before right you know with the other session i'm like what happened here she goes oh i like to have my furniture put in when i do my vocals <laughs> she brought her she brought living her i don't know if it was hers but it was a whole living room she brought set. her living she room she had to have it a certain way buddy <laughs> it was comfortable fun. it was she pretty to feel funny. like home well was, bring my furniture yeah <laughs> That was pretty funny, man. I, but, you know, hey, to each his own. And if you can afford it. That's exactly right. Right? Yeah. That studio was a $2,000 a day studio, and she, you know, it's a great sound. She filled it with her her furniture. Well, I know. Yeah. We, we've talked about people not being comfortable with uh, Tim. People oh. not being comfortable when they come to record. They're nervous. Their vocal ain't right. Oh, yeah. So, that's, hey, if you want you know comfort, bring that's your home point. in. That's that, a good That's point. probably why she did it. Yeah. So she could feel, you know, it was a comfort level thing. So did now you could just story. fly out to our house and put the mic in, put some soundproofing. That's what, yeah, we would do now. Yeah, you know, uh, Lionel Richie did uh, an album um, with a bunch of country singers yeah. doing his songs. Yeah, yeah. They did all the vocals like in a hotel room down in uh, the Caribbean. 
I'm there serious. They, they, I saw I saw a documentary. Yeah, Shania was Shania on that. was with the, yeah, yeah, yeah. the Chaotica or something. Yeah. Maybe they were using I don't know that. What they used. You know the thing you put up. But it night. was just a bedroom that they, literally. Yeah, it was, they a, were it was in a big suite, bedroom. hotel room suite kind of. Right. Thing. Yeah, I've done that before, and it sounds good. You take the mattress off the wall and you put it, and you put the mic next to it. Yeah. yeah. Make it because it sounds good. No one's gonna say, "Hey, the Jed record with the mattress on the wall." They're gonna be like, "Man, this, this yeah, man, <laughs> good." You know what? That just shows you that if you really do your homework, you can get some great sounds in your bedroom. Man. All right, yeah. Jed. You know, bedroom. I'm producers. vouching for the younger generations of the bedroom yeah. producers. Do it. You know, when uh, last quick story. So I was in. I got the phone call again from Warren, the owner of the studio. He goes, "Hey, Elisa wants to do. They're bringing in a new thing called an ADAT." <laughs> right, that was when ADATs came out back in the night. Wow. And he goes, they they want to come and see how it sounds compared to the Mitsubishi, mm-hmm. the big hundred fifty thousand dollar recorder. The ADATs yeah. were like three thousand dollars a piece. For yeah. And I'm like, oh, that'd be interesting. So I went in there and did the same thing. We were all, had a Trident console, and we we were A B in it, and we took the same material and we dumped it digitally to the ADATs that were on a digital one inch tape. Yeah. And I'll never forget Warren's comment and his face after we A-beat it. He goes, I will be out of business within five years. Wow. And it was true. He was the Mitsubishi rep? No, he was the owner of the oh, studio. The, the, the studio, Havelina. He's oh, like, he knew how, how he knew it was to acquire the that. impact that it would have on the business because people would not come rent his. That studio was $1,200 a day. The other one was 2000 And they wouldn't come rent a $1,200 a day studio to do overdubs when they can do it at their house with an ADAT. And now he foresaw that we have – you could record on your phone now. Yeah. And just record on there in your car. And so he w- he was out of it, or he quit the business within five years? Within five years, he – He was gone. He like, was, yeah. It, Havelina's not there anymore. The, the he building, was also turned into a butcher. No, I'm just yeah. <laughs> he, uh, he, um, he, he's, he's I think he's retired now, but he that building, that studio's still there. It's not called they Havelina. Com- they, they converted it, or is it still a studio? It's still a studio. Oh, okay. They were going to take that building and tear it down. Right. Because they were putting, they're putting condo buildings all around Music Row now. Yeah. And the, uh, you know, the historical society said, there's too many things that went down in this building. We've got to save it. Yeah. And so somebody bought it, and it's now a historical building. Because they were trying to do that for, with RCA building as well. That's the RCA building I'm talking about. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's, okay. That's the Havelina. Okay. That's where Havelina was, the RCA. I didn't know that. Yeah. So, uh, Studio A. Cool. Studio B was always never going to be because that was a museum. But Studio A was always just a building. Chad Atkins owned the building, so after RCA moved out, mm. I rented space in that building because I knew the I knew him. Right. And uh, and so Havelina rented the studio, and but the rest of the building was just office space. Gotcha. And wow. um, and so Warren rented it for ten years, and then when when the when that all happened, he couldn't stay open. Mm-hmm. So they were. You know, they were trying to tear it down and sell it to this company, but somebody else bought it. Right. Right. So somebody owns it, and now it's a historical, it'll never go away. Cool. Yeah. Man, Jed, thank you so much, man. Man, it's been fun. This is awesome. Yeah, man. I've learned a lot. I'm sure our audience learned a lot. I learned a lot. We got to get you back on. Uh, Hey, I come, I'm coming here. He's coming every two weeks. Yeah. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. We'll get you on every two weeks. <laughs> yeah, there's a, there's a lot of uh, technology that I'm I'm uh, my son and I are going to do our own you know um, review technology kind of stuff. Yeah. You know? So before we sign off, where can people reach you and how can they reach you? Uh, you know, the best place you can see me most of the stuff is uh, my wife and I do. We have our own website mm-hmm. that, with our music. We've been singing together for 35 years. It's JedandClaire.com. 
jetandclair.com. Yeah, and then we'll you put can all your links in the description and show yeah, yeah. Well, I'll give you all that. In, you know, the little um, those QR code. QR codes and all that stuff. People can find us real easily. We're getting ready to put a new album out. Um, again, I I'm starting. I you know I've been Raymond. People like Raymond have been telling me you need to, all this knowledge you have. You should. <laughs> Put it on. People need to hear it. You know, I'm like, I guess Thanks, I should be doing that. So, you know, I mean, I. What happened with me, and this is the last thing I'll say. I got an opportunity um, when when some of those top players and producers started figuring out how how what kind of an engineer I was. They wanted to bring me to the record company world and start with those producers, like the guy who runs the label, and start being those type that type of an engineer because yeah. I was hanging with that crowd, right. right? But right when that happened, my wife and I got a record deal. Mm-hmm. And so I chose to do the record deal instead, mm-hmm. right? And, um, and so we went the whole record deal route for seven years. You went and, as artist as, as an artist, to an as, as opposed to an engineer. And that took Jed me- has a great voice. Oh, thanks, man. So really I chose to do that, which took me out of that world mm. at a level, and I would have to go build it back up again, so mm. I just didn't mess with it. And when I left the artistry world, we went straight into ministry. We moved here, actually, yeah. to Austin, mm. Texas. Yeah. And, uh, and so that's been my path. So that's why I never you know, don't have the gold records on the wall by engineering stuff, because I chose to be an artist. We got a record deal. But I was right at the cusp of that, because uh, Brent Rowan... Yeah. Um, Who's the left-handed drummer? Uh, I forget that. Oh, Lepers? gosh. Uh, he's no. a big Left-handed. Uh, not Owen Hill, but Not one-handed. <laughs> I can't think of his name. Eddie Bears. Eddie Bears. I did a session with Eddie Bears, and yeah. he slams his drums down and says, come here. Like <laughs> to that. you? Yeah, to me. He goes, where the hell have you been? Because <laughs> it sounded like a set of drums on the mix, right? <laughs> right. And he loved the way it sounded in his headphones, because I'm a musician, right? Right. And, and so he's like, dude, I'm going to call up. Tony Brown, I'm gonna call. I want him to. You got to get in that mix, dude. Right. I'm like, dude, I just got a record deal. Like, I can't do it, mm. you know? Because you, you in Nashville, when you get the call, you got to go. You got to. They're go. not gonna call you back because right. there's too many guys lined up to take right. that slot. Right. Man. So, man. yeah, that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. Well, we got to get you on again. Hey, I'd love to come back, man. We'll do it. You know, probably <clears throat> the good thing is I could start telling you guys some neat little things that I find. Yeah, like that two seventy six. We got. I got to talk about that one day. Yeah, we got to do a gear review podcast with. Yeah, with Jed. That'd be great. Yeah, I I have tricks how you can get a five hundred dollar. You can spend five hundred dollars and get a ten thousand dollar mic sound. That's what we need. We need that right now, Jed. (laughs) Okay. Well, if if you go look for Jed Seneca pretty soon, you'll find that on Uh, the internet. But I'll be happy to come and help and talk to you guys about that stuff too. Okay. Great. Great. Yeah. Done. Well, just a quick reminder, make sure y'all go to forwardproducer.com slash ISP. Get the course completely free. Also, make sure you like, comment, share, subscribe, everything, do all that stuff. If you Please. like the content, share it with people. It's going to help us out a whole lot. That's right. So until next time, y'all, we'll see you later. Peace. Peace out.